Bonsoir, bonjour. Bonsoir, bonjour, bon après-midi. Comment est là, madame? Nous là, nous là. Why are we here today? Well, um, I, we wanted to talk about my mom and her experience um, of being a restavec. Start with her name first. What's her name? Her, her name is, well, she was born with Auxilia Agenor, but then she got adapted, adopted into Cecilia Walken. Pierre, she got married into a Pierre, born with Auxilia Agenor, and she died with Cecilia Walken Pierre. She was born in um, Soufouye in Okap, because I, I realized um, that there are several Soufouyes, but she was born in Soufouye, Okap, an area called um, between Kaimet and Cholet. Tell the diaspora audience and non Haitian audience what. Restavec is in Haitian uh, culture. Restavec, um, from my understanding, is literally means to stay with. Mm -hmm. So Restavec is usually a child that is from the rural area that goes to live with a family member or friend in the city with the prospect of getting a better life and education and to help the family back in, in uh, what we call on the yacht in the rural areas. Did your mom benefit from those particular expectations that you just mentioned, such as a better education and a quote-unquote better life? No, no, she did not have an education at all. And a better life is, I don't think so, because at the age of 11, she was put on the streets. So no, it did not, she did not benefit. Like many other children who have gone through this experience, especially one of the most famous books, Restavec, they usually don't go through a really good experience. And I think that's that's based on our, our structures and our institutions. There's no supportive institutions for young people and young children um, in Haiti. It's basically child slave labor. Um, yes, yes. Okay. It's a taboo subject. The elders don't want to talk about it. Is your mom still alive? She passed away in 2017. I was at her bedside. She, I, I think the reason why, you know, people don't talk about it, especially when it comes to people who have lived experience of using one, is because it, it plays on your morality, doesn't it? And your values. So you, you believe yourself to be this moral person and to have these values, but yet still you have this tarnished disdain of having someone working for you for free. When did your mom, and, and did, did she explain to you or to the family process of how she became a Ristavec? Um, yes, we, you know, I, I always love to hear her story. So her and I spoke a lot and she told me that her family had, her parents had around seven, seven children around that, if, if, I'm, if I'm correct, and two passed away. But when she was young, around five years old, they had about seven um, children and they lived in Andeo and there weren't any schools around and it was difficult for them to, to survive. She knew someone in the city that had a son that was studying to be either a lawyer or a doctor. And then they needed help with just, um, the parents just needed help with cooking and cleaning for that for that son. So she was sent to Oka, which is the city of that area and, and um, to live with this family. Um, to help the family out. And I just want to stress the point that she was five. So she was five years old yes. when she became Aristavec. Yes. Do you want to name the name of the family?
Um, no, no, I don't want to name the name of the family. One, because I don't know it. I know a relative of the family and I know him personally. And I and I told him that, you know, that my mom was a restavec in one of his relatives' homes. But he's now a millionaire. <laughs> um, but he knew my mom very well. And um, but no, I, I don't think I hold anything against that family. I don't know the name of the family. I just know a relative of that family. So that relative, when you said that to him, how what was his reaction? He was just, wow, you know, he didn't know because he would have, he's younger than my mom. So he would have, mm -hmm. he probably wasn't born yet. Yeah. So he wouldn't, okay. he wouldn't have known. Your mom's five years old. So what did she tell you about going there as a five-year-old? Does she remember any of that? Or she remembers, uh, you know, later experiences? Uh, walk us through that. She, she, what she discussed with me was that she had to wash dishes and she had to wake up early and wash dishes and clean. Um, there was someone else there to cook, but once she got a little older, she learned how to cook. Um, and I think, you know, when memories, there are patches of memories that stay with you. So mm -hmm. the one thing that she really stressed on is that when she was like 10 years old, the son came home and he loved, he loved the way my mom cooked and he really appreciated my mom. He was stressing that his mother send my mom to school and take care of my mom. And by the time she was 11, the mother, she's in her, in her language, she's saying the mother was jaloux, you know, that the son was paying attention to, to her and she was kicked out of the, out of the home. And um, she was on the streets in Okap um, selling things and washing and, and doing things on the streets during that time after that point. She was about 10 or 11 years old. So she yes. was a Ristave for about five years. Yeah. Uh, what else did she remember? Uh, no, she, she never spoke of it, but my mom had this um, personality where she didn't attach pain to, you know, to the experience. She just saw it as an experience. This is what I had to go through. Um, this is why I'm here now. That's the way she spoke, you know? This is what led me to, to this point now. So when she looks back at her life, she usually tells the story as, as if this is what brought me to you here. So she never really um, stuck on the painful aspect of her life. She just told it like someone just telling a story um, mm -hmm. of an experience. So it was difficult to see when something was hurting her and when something was painful to her because she never let it on. She just saw it as an experience. So the mother of that family kicked her out because she was too friendly. So okay. since, yeah, since she moved in, she never had an education. She was never um, allowed an education and she never had time to, you know, to, to be a kid. So she was mm -hmm. just working and, um, and, and the son came, he had an education and he probably, you know, saw the need for her to have one as well mm -hmm. um, for how young she was. And, and he stressed it. And, and my mom, it's a woman who is a woman who is yeah, yeah, yeah. Now yeah. So she was a little brown skin, so I guess that played on the fact that he, you know, he liked her and he thought she deserved something good and kind of goes into our psyche with um who deserves and who doesn't, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's totally <laughs> a, a total a different story to to kind of debate on when we look at the political structure and the social structure of Haiti and and who benefits and who doesn't. So that's a whole another story. But I think he just wanted her to benefit um, from an education. Your mom gets kicked out, so now she becomes uh, basically a Madame Sarah, right? 
Yeah. And and the market. So yeah. where where is this? Is this an Okap? Yeah, this is an Okap. It's it's she she remembers it was near the pont, mm -hmm. so sous boulevard. And back then the boats used to come in. And um, mm -hmm. so the boats used to come in from the Bahamas and the Turks and Caicos, right? Mm -hmm. So because the, the proximity to the Turks and Caicos it, it, um, is in, in Okapa is very close. It's like mm -hmm. 35 minutes by, by plane. So the boats used to come in from the Turks and Caicos because back then the Turks and Caicos really wasn't any, it, it, there's no development, no phones, no roads. Mm -hmm. So they came in with the boats, they came in with fish, lobster, conch, and then they traded for clothes items and other items. Um, and, and one of the stories she remembers is that Tegon Magistra, uh, the mayor of Okap, used to arrest some of the persons from the boats and Turks because they didn't have shirts on their backs or shoes on their feet. <laughs> and so what her story is that she's sitting on the on the boulevard and this gentleman from the boat comes and says, where are your parents? You look like you could have been my daughter. And he said, where are your parents? And she didn't have any. So he took her. You know, she was about um, um, 13, around that age, 13, 14. And he took her on the boat to the Turks and Caicos. Permanently or just? Permanently, uh, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, so what year are we talking here when she's 10? What what year? Well, she was born probably in the in the 1950s, right? Mm -hmm. um, so we would say late 50s, early 60s. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so doing Duvalier. Doing yeah, Duvalier. It, it, it's Papa Doc, yeah. Okay, Papa Doc. Okay. During Papa so Doc. She goes to Turks and Caicos. What happened to her life there? Well, it, it, it's it. <laughs> the strange thing is, it just becomes the same story. So she works for this family that that took her in, and they gave her a new name, Cecilia. Haitian um, family, or no? It, it was a Turks Island family. So okay, okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. So a Turks Island family, and they gave her a new name, which is Cecilia, and she she worked for them the same way. So she weed sickly laku weed the yard, plant potatoes, wash, cook, um, take. When the boats came in, she said it was her and a son that they had, a grandson that they had, used to carry the boats, um, the lift the rice, the bags of rice and flour off the boats and bring them in because the lady had a shop and um, the only shop in the area. So she had to do all of that. So she was back into the same you know, the same kind of routine that she was in Haiti. So she never, they never sent her to school. They never gave her an education and she just lived there and took care of the house. And, and, and she, she didn't, she wasn't earning any money either. So she just lived there and did the same things that she used to do up until she was uh, around 18, I think that she used to do in Haiti, in, in Haiti. And then what happened? How did she end up leaving Turks and Caicos? Well, the strange thing is, and this is something that she told me only like months before she passed away, you know, um, not even months before she passed away, um, the same month that before she got really sick. So I went to the Turks and Caicos on vacation and um, I stayed with her and started talking. And I think she kind of felt it was close. So she kind of revealed a lot of things that she's never told me before. So she said that she has an older, I have an older sister. And she said there was like a hurricane in the Turks and Caicos Islands. And the family had left. They had traveled by boat. I can't remember where. Uh, it might have been the Bahamas. Um, so they've traveled and they left her and another adopted son from Haiti, um, from Carinage, in the house. And he was a little older. She was about um, 18 
And he kept pestering her. You know, he wanted to sleep with her. So he kept pestering her. And, um, she had to hide in the chicken coop, you know, Kaloj pool mm-hmm. outside in the hurricane. And, and, you know, and he caught her and, and he raped her. They grew up like sisters and brothers. So they had the same surname of the same adoptive family. And that was the, the father of my sister. And she she said that when the family came back, and they found out, they deported her. They sent her back to Haiti. They kicked the, the son out. Um, so they kicked the son out, other adopted um, uh, boy from Haiti. They kicked him out and they deported her back to Haiti. So she spent the next five years in Haiti. That's how she had my 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 elder sister and my my brother that came after her and then myself. So, you know, all three of us were were in Haiti. And then um, when I was around two years old, she was called back. So someone that knew her in the Turks came. And that's when the flights were coming in, like the five five seater planes mm-hmm. were flying in. And, uh, she, she just um, invited my mom back and my mom came back and she came back with me and left um and the other two. And then my sister came. Yeah, that's the story how she she ended up leaving. So. She only she only divulged this information to me like the same month before she died, because she I think there are things that she just hid and went through the same cleaning and she used to sickly while her sisters and brothers were going off to primary school she had to clean the yard before she finished and she always walked late and I think so so, so let me get this in. sorry so the the rapist father took her yes to, and then turned her into Augustavic. Well, uh, semi because she oh, was semi. Yeah, she wasn't she wasn't really um she was just a kid in the house but I think because he was married to another woman the woman mistreated her and made her do everything. Yeah, so she blamed it on my mom for for um for giving her up. Um so that that relationship has always been unstable until the day yeah. my mom died. That's how she came back. So she went, you know, she came back, she went to the same family. I was there. I was growing up in the same household. Although my mom worked then, she started washing clothes for people. So she would come home with her fingers all swollen. You know when you leave your hand in water so long? So she came back with her hands all shriveled up and bleeding because she would wash clothes for like five different families in one day. And she would have, you know, save her money, but she would come home and show me her hands and it would be bleeding. And I kind of, as a kid growing up in that same household that my mom grew up in, I kind of experienced some of the things that she, you know, she experienced personally because but I was more rebellious because I grew up with kids that are my age and, and I, I didn't want to do anything that they wouldn't do. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I was more rebellious. So when the, the, the older lady would say, Oh, go in the yard and, and weed, weed the, the weeds uh, um, from the potatoes or, and if it's raining, she would say things like Haitians aren't afraid of the rain. They work in the rain and, and, you know, Haitians don't bleed red, they bleed blue, you know? <laughs> so all mm-hmm. these things that, that you, you kind of um, strips away from your humanity, strips away your identity. I actually mm-hmm. experienced it um, for the better part of my early life in the same household that my mom lived in um, when she was growing up. So, But I was more rebellious, so I would say, if so-and-so is not going to go and do it, I'm not going to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was more rebellious on, on, that, uh, on that front.
is your sister aware of how she the act that caused her to be in this world? Is she aware of it now? I've 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 told her, but I don't know if she's actually internalized it. And and my sister has the same characteristic as my mom. So they keep they keep their pain all bottled up. Um and she doesn't really speak to people, confide in people. So she's just, she has the same characteristic as her mom. So they leave their pain all bottled up. But I did mention it to her in, in, in an effort to explain why, why mm-hmm. things happened the way they did. Um, but I don't, I'm not sure if she, she kind of um, accepted because the relationship, you know, the, the, the kind of family ties are, are always strained in that area Um where, you know, she, I think she felt that I got the better end of the stick, you know? Are you going to send this episode to her? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess I can. <laughs> I can. And uh, yeah, I can. And Because these are some of the things that I've been trying to see if I could put down in a book. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes it's really good to get it off your chest anyway. Um, so, but so what would you like to say to her? I would like to say that what I learned myself from from trying to get over my pain and my trauma, um, I would say that your parents only give you what they are equipped to give you, what they're capable to give you. So because sometimes we get upset with our parents and say that um, you should have done that. You didn't love me. You didn't do this. You know, I mean, I remember a kid, we're Haitian. You say that, oh, well, my parents never hugged me or kissed me. And then it's, it's culturally, you know. But they do it in other. They show you they care in other ways, mm-hmm. and and it's a matter of understanding where that individual is coming from and the trauma that they're bringing on, and trying to understand that to see what is it that they're capable of giving you, and what they gave you, you know, what that means to them, and that's all they had to give. That's all they were able to give because what they did, they thought was the best to do. So mm-hmm. understanding that. I think is important. People can only give you what they think, uh, you know, from their education, their lived experience, what they think is best. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might not be what you feel um, is best. The term stiff upper lip is always associated with the British. I think Haitian mothers especially, yeah, you know, they, they corner <laughs> that market on that, don't they? they yeah, they, yeah. They, no, they, non-apologetic. <laughs> yep. No matter what, they do your bien droit. They 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 move. They carry on. You know, some instances it's it's commendable, but in other instances it's not. Is it? No, it isn't. Because my mom actually apologized to me for a lot of you know. That's that's a totally different story. But a lot of things that happened to me in my childhood. But she apologized to me when I moved to the UK before she died, and she she missed me. You know. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time in my life because I had a lot of negative push um, um, throughout my life from my mom. So negative push is le haïtien. For my mine was I my mom dit oh mbakone pour que m'a dépensé comme pour pas rien on va jamais you know mm-hmm. so that became my negative push throughout my life to pour ka on bagay you know mm-hmm. so and when she called me as an adult in my forties and she said. Um, I miss you and I love you. I'm sorry for the things that happened. It kind of, I felt lost. Mm-hmm. So what am I going to do now? The person that I was trying to prove myself to is now saying they're sorry. Mm-hmm. So I lost all, you know, I was finishing my master's degree. I could, I literally had to um, 
try my best to finish my degree because I didn't know what I was doing the degree for anymore. Because because that apology deflated the anger or took away the anger? No, because the the apology kind of um, released me from that negative push. But it was that negative push that was pushing you to succeed. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Okay. So you got to look at what's, what pushes you. So either if, if it's negative or if it's something that you own that is positively yours, or if it's something external that something negative someone said that you're trying to prove something to someone else instead of trying to live your life. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. when she said that, I, I realized that I wasn't doing anything for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it kind of, I was lost that whole year trying to, you know, trying to rebuild myself. So trying to, um, trying to understand, you know, that part of Haitian society, Haitian mothers. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> um, I, I think we're better equipped um, these, these last um, several generations to be able to decipher these cultural, you know, these cultural things um, that are typically, you know, Haitian um, mm-hmm. And, and try to reduce the, the trauma and the, and the hurt that it causes. Does the term potomita, when it's um, applied to, to women like your mom, who was, who were sort of the backbone, right? The central mm-hmm. figure in the family. Do you, do, do you find that term problematic? I, I find it problematic. I find Why? it problematic because it's a lie. Um, it's a lie in the fact that, yes, they do everything, but there's no support for them in doing everything. They are not everything, right? So in a sense that my mom was the potomita of her family. So she was uneducated. She came to the new world, you know, to, to, the, to the Turks and Caicos. She built um, houses. She has rent. She's the reason why every single individual from our family who lives outside of Haiti is outside of Haiti, mm-hmm. right? She would sacrifice if she had $100, she would send 80 to to her family. She sacrificed everything to build, you know, to help them. And at the end, she died alone around selfish people that were trying to get what she she built, mm-hmm. right? So if you're the potomitan, but you don't have a support st- structure. So the, the society itself does not respect women um, in 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 the sense of women's contribution, even if you you're a reader of history, um, how many books are there that specifically praise some of the women that have done the amazing things in Asian history? Yeah, you look at the lady that that pushed for for women's rights and women's rights to vote. How Duvalier shamed her. Her name isn't even spoken as much as you know as as Estime or other people. So. The society itself doesn't praise the people that they say is the potomitan. It kind of like it's just something you tell somebody so they can feel good and continue to do what they're doing. What were the role of other men in your mom's life and how did that impact you? Um, oh, that's a whole new story. Um, that's another story. And that's um, well, she was married when I was really young. And um, that marriage and uh, traumatic impact it had on me and my family in general and my brother, um, who is now an alcoholic because of because of that um, that situation. I think that's so that's so sensitive at the moment. And, And it's part and parcel of what caused her death that I am emotionally not ready to dabble into it. Okay, I understand. Anything else you want to tell me? that uh, takeaway about your mom that uh, we all should know? 
I, I want people to 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 um to know that she was you know she was a strong person and this this um although one of the most brilliant things about Haitian culture and Haitian people is the need for um their kids to be educated so it's it you they just they don't care what it is. You see people manifesting on the streets just so their kid can catch the bus and go to school. It's not a matter of what school, what the school has, what the school is teaching. It's the idea that you are giving your child something that you didn't have. And I think that's the most brilliant thing that I can take from, from my mom is giving something to someone that she didn't have and, and, and valuing that thing. And that's the, the, the entire Haitian society and the whole um, potomitan or women in Haitian society is it, the, the most important thing to a Haitian family is education, regardless of where they are. That's the most important thing. Um, to to a Haitian parent is educating their their child, and we need to recognize that even if someone is was a Westavec, there are so many levels, a multi layer of education that we need to look at. Is education is not just academic. There's you know, there's so education is multi layered, and we need to respect all those layers. Mm -hmm. And um, although my mom wasn't academically educated, she was educated. Mm -hmm. um, she was moral. She was you know she had values. She you know she she spoke. She learned and spoke French. You know, so so I think we need to respect um, um, people as individuals and as individual journeys. Their lived experiences, right, yeah. are just yeah. as valid as, yes. Okay. Well, uh, what are you doing in the community? Free plug for you, uh, Gilad. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what are you doing? What's coming up for you? And uh, what kind of organization are you a part of? You want the world to know. Uh, um, well, we've just um, started the Haitian Heritage Group, um, uh, um, which we will, you know, will soon rebrand. But the Haitian Heritage Group um, was created so that we in the diaspora in the UK can have a, a more prominent um, position in everything that is Haitian and and better able to clarify the misconceptions around our culture, our religion, and everything else, and and somehow come together collectively the way we help, to, to change the way others help Haiti, to find better ways um, moving forward. We have a few events um, yearly. This year, we're going to have the first ever um, Fedgede um, that we're inviting Riva Nira to, Niri to, um, and Ted Bourbon, who is the son of um, Bookman Experience. So this, this event is, is about spirituality, and we're trying to show how Voodoo uh, it, the spiritual um, religion of Haiti is so connected with 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 the ancestors and with everyone. It is it is something that is rooted in in nature, is rooted in energy, it's rooted in respect for um, for everything around you and respect for those who came before you and seeking guidance from those. So. I am not a practitioner, but I love the idea that that it, it believes in something real. So when you sit down, Japanese, um, Korean, um, they all have these altars that they create for their grandparents, and the, you know, and they go back every anniversary and they speak to them and they talk to them. And this is the same thing that's in the voodoo religion. So the misconception that we need to clarify is that it is just a connection with those who came before. 
Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that it's real. It's not in an imaginary something. It, you're speaking to your grandmother, or your mm-hmm. sister, or your auntie that has passed away, and you're keeping that line of communication there because in Voodoo, they believe that those spirits are always around us, always protecting us, always guiding us. It's just a matter of us tapping in and listening to it. So, is, yeah. there, is there a website that people can go to? Yes, um, there is a website, and it's um, Eritage, E-R-I-T-A-J-A-I-T-I-A-Y-T-I-A-Y-T-I-A-Y-T-I-A-Y-T-I-A-Y-T-I-A-Y-T-I-A-Y-T-I-A-Y-T-I-A-Y-T-I